Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts that we might hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We see in this morning's Gospel passage, Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law, who was sick in bed with a fever. And we see in this encounter that Jesus goes to her, takes her by the hand, and lifts her up. That action that Jesus desires to do for each of us, to come to us, to take us by the hand, and to lift us up, to heal and to restore. And as we look at Mark's Gospel passage, we may take note that in Matthew's Gospel of this account, Jesus comes and touches her hand. In Luke's account, Jesus speaks to the fever and casts out the fever. So they tell slightly different uh, encounters and emphasis in this story, but all showing us that Jesus has the power to heal, to restore, and to cast out demons. And immediately, the fever leaves her, and she began to wait on them. And some of us might be thinking, doesn't she get one day recovery period before she immediately has to go back to work? Um, but but there's, there's something that that tells us in the story. First, we know that her healing is complete and total. So much so that she is restored to her place. Also, we have to, to take note, I think, that much of, especially during that time period, and even some today, our identity is somewhat uh, tied in with our role, our function, our work, our place in society. And so, not only was she physically healed, but Jesus was restoring her to her place, to her value, to her identity. And so, Jesus desires to come to us, to get us to be raised up and restored to our identity as children of God. So she's healed and she begins to wait on them. Now as we look at this story of healing and the ones that are to come, there's a tension that we can often feel in that we recognize that Jesus has the power to heal. Jesus has the power to restore. Jesus has the power to cast out demons. But yet we encounter in our lives times when there is sickness that is not healed. And what do we do with that? And I think what we have to recognize is Jesus has this power. And some of those healings and restorations will be manifested in the here and now. But the ultimate message of the gospel is the healing and the restoration of us as children of God. To dwell with God in the new heaven and the new earth. Where there will be no sin or death. 
That is the ultimate healing and restoration that the kingdom brings about. Lest we get discouraged when we don't see a healing here and now. Remember God's ultimate plan and timeline. So we see that after uh, Simon's mother-in-law is healed, then they bring to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town is at the door. And Jesus heals many who had various diseases and drove out demons. We see that Jesus has the power and the authority over sickness and evil. That Jesus is the one in the Isaiah reading who comes and gives strength to the weary so that we will not faint, that we don't grow weary. Jesus is the one who is this everlasting God. Jesus is the one that the Psalms spoke of that comes and raises up the lowly. He is the one with that authority. And then he does all of these healings. And we're told, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And we might think, well, that's a little bit odd, maybe. Isn't the whole point that we want people to know who he is? Uh, but there are several things in that encounter that we're supposed to see as important. Number one, by commanding the demons not to speak, we see that Jesus has power over them. That he's the one with the power, not them. We also know that Jesus wants us and the people around him to come to know Jesus themselves as he has revealed himself. Not just to see these demons and say, oh, well, fine, we'll just take their word for it. But they come to know as they see Jesus at work. And finally, we know that Jesus has a timeline that he's trying to to control and does control as to when people come to know him. And we have encounters like this where the demons are silenced. Then we have people who are healed in the Gospels where Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Then we have other times people are healed and the command is, go show yourself to the priests. But Jesus is in control of when and how he wants people to come to know him. Then there's a shift here after all this healing takes place. An important shift that we need to take note of. The very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Then Simon and his companions went to look for him, and they say, everybody's looking for you. Like, what are you doing over here? Resting and praying. There's more people at the door. And this is important because if it was necessary for Jesus to spend time in the presence of the Father, to spend time in prayer while he was doing the work he was given to do, how much more then is it important for us to do the same? Although I'd like it not to be very early in the morning, since I don't like the early morning. But it's important that we have a pattern of life by which we enter into the presence of God to be refreshed, renewed, strengthened, to hear the voice of God, to be empowered for the work that God is asking us to do. Otherwise, we just show up in our own strength, uh, which might work for a little while, but will ultimately fail. 
And so Jesus is showing us that important demonstration that we must be in prayer. We must be in Scripture. We must listen for the voice of the Lord to strengthen us and empower us. And it's, it's very easy, at least it is for me, to have a calendar that gets really busy. And then we say all of these things are like super important. And so we must do all of these things now because they're all emergencies. And they have to be dealt with immediately. And so I can pray later. I can study later. I can do that later. But this is needed now. And I would think that if people are lined up for the do at the door needing healing and uh, casting out of demons, that Jesus could have said, well, this is important. This is an emergency. But he doesn't. He says, I'm going to go and pray. They find him in the place where he needs to be in order to do what God has called him to do. In order to fulfill his mission and ministry. And so, we must do the same. And as they say to him, everyone's looking for you. There's more people here. Notice what Jesus does not say. We would expect him to say, all right, well, send them in. Or go and tell everybody in the village and to tell the neighboring villages, we're going to stay here for a month and we'll have a 24-7 healing ministry and it's going to be great. All the people are coming. He doesn't say that. They say, everyone's looking for you and he says, let us go somewhere else. So I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And we see in the life of Jesus that he knows who he is and he knows his mission and all of his actions in, in his time on earth line up with the mission that he was called to do. Everything that he does is because he understands his identity and he understands his mission. Now, we, that, if that's the case for Jesus, then that should be the case for us as well. And we have to ask ourselves, do we understand our identity and does every action of our life communicate that identity and further the mission and ministry that God has called us to? I don't know that any of us are prepared to raise our hands and say, we've got that one nailed down. But that's the job of the Holy Spirit our lives is to remind us of our identity as a child of God and then our mission to go and to preach the good news, to proclaim by our life an example, to minister to those in need, to invite others to come into the presence of Christ, that our lives might be lived as a witness to Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and alive today. That's our mission that we join with Jesus. And he says, well, let us go. We have to make sure others can hear the message of the gospel as well. He doesn't just say, well, we'll keep doing this. This is going well. And we need to hear God's voice. And this is important for the church to hear because we can easily get caught up in things that the church has done forever, that have been on the calendar forever, and we've done it since 1942. And they may be great things, that are very fruitful. 
But the question I think we have to ask is, are we listening to God's voice if that is what He still wants us to do? And is there something else that He's calling us to do so that others may hear also? But if we're just caught up in doing what we've been doing, or this looks like it's working and it's great, we might miss that. And so if we were looking for a time when we could have that solitude, when we could hear the voice of God, when we could ask what is our mission and ministry both individually and as a church, you're in luck that a pandemic is a great time to have extra free time because everything in life is canceled. And so if we were looking for quiet time with God, look at all the things that used to be on our calendar that we can't do. And what are we doing with that time that's been given to us? Can the church as a body and us individually use this time to say, what is God calling us to do when this pandemic is over? How will we make the gospel known? How will we preach? How will others hear who may not have heard? What have we been doing that is great but is holding us from doing what he is asking us to do next? Think about what life looks like individually for us, for our families, and corporately as a church if we're always asking that and we're able to hear the voice of God calling us for what's next. So may we use this time when the church calendar is pretty clear because we can't do almost everything that was on the calendar before, but we can gather here and pray. We can spend time in the presence of God we can listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us so that when the time is right, we are refreshed, renewed, encouraged, equipped, emboldened to go and to make the message of the gospel known. That others might come to hear. That people that have never known Christ might come into His presence and receive His love and His mercy and His grace. That's the ministry charged to each of us. But if we're not spending the time uh, in God's presence to, to charge us up for that work, we're going to be running on empty before long, both individually and as a body. And so may we capture the example of Jesus today. May we come to the one who can raise us up, the one who will strengthen us, the one who will uh, take away our weariness, the one who will make sure that we can run and not faint. May we come to the Lord. May we listen for his voice and may he embolden us to go wherever is necessary to do whatever it takes so that others might hear the gospel. For that is why Jesus came and that's the ministry that he's called each of us to as well. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that we might heed his example that we heard today to rest in your presence. We trust that Jesus is the one who can heal and restore, to change and transform. May the Holy Spirit help us each day to understand our full identity in you as your children. And may we be equipped for the ministry you've called us to that our lives might be lived to your honor and glory, that we might be light in the midst of darkness, that our lives may preach the gospel and draw others to you 
so that they too might come to your love, mercy, and grace. In Jesus, we ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen.